everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I am your host, Taylor Rockwell. Daryl Grove, still not with me in studio. Uh, if you've listened to the uh, interview with Brian Sharetta already, you will know that Daryl had chemo today. Uh, Caitlin Murray was covering the USA-Sweden game, so I did not expect to hear from her because it was very late over there. But that's why she gets paid the big soccer bucks, because Caitlin is going to be with me very shortly to discuss the USA's 2-0 win over Sweden. We look at some of the injuries leading into that game, some of the injuries coming out of that game, as well as uh, what our expectations were for Sweden and how maybe they didn't quite meet them in terms of what we thought their game plan was going to be, but also the team's reaction to that result and just overall how the team is feeling and looking heading into their knockout round game against Spain. I did also want to take a moment to say that we really do appreciate the effort that Caitlin puts in, obviously to covering the U.S. women's national team just first and foremost, uh, but also for taking the time to come on the show at such a late hour, having had, I'm assuming, a very long day, but still willing to uh, give us all the info that we need to stay tuned in when it comes to the women's national team. So with that in mind, I'll just say thank you one more time to Caitlin Murray, and I will then turn it over to myself talking to Caitlin. Joining me now, uh, all the way from France, our friend in France, it's Caitlin Murray. Hello, Caitlin. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I am good. Uh, it is 8.30 thereabouts uh, here on the East Coast at time of recording. Uh, by the sound of your voice, it's very evident that it's 2.30 a.m. <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 2.30. Um <laughs> These 9 p.m. local kickoff times, yeah. I think they're doing it for you and the American TV audience. Not great for the reporters. <laughs> they're definitely not doing it for us. See, I, I, I would like enjoy that a bit more because, you know, I'm selfish, except that we just had to do the uh, U.S. men's game this week, which kicked off at 10 p.m. And I think we didn't get out of the studio until like 3.30 in the morning or thereabouts. So I should have more sympathy for you automatically. But after that one, I'm definitely <laughs> like, oof, I can't believe you're willing to talk to me right now. But I appreciate that you are because there is much to be discussed. The United States get the win over Sweden, 2-0 over Sweden. They advance to the knockout round. They'll be taken on Spain. Um, but this was the first match against a strong opponent at this World Cup. Uh, was there any difference to you? you think in the kind of the team atmosphere uh after this one as opposed to maybe the thailand or chile games um well the players didn't debut any new celebrations which <laughs> <laughs> which maybe says something mm-hmm. i don't know um i think it was more of a business-like approach what ended up happening is sweden made seven changes to their lineup for this game and the U.S. also made seven changes, but in the U.S.'s case, yeah. they were reverting to their first choice starting lineup, whereas Sweden was resting their starting players. So I think that maybe took the U.S. by surprise. Um, but I think they they were approaching this as this was going to be a difficult game. This is the barometer for the team. You know, everyone's been talking about they haven't been tested yet. This was going to be the test. And I think that's how they approached it. And they wanted to get a result. They seemed pleased with it. Um, I think it's a different feel when you win 13 to 0 versus yeah. a game like this, inherently. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the team feels confident. I think they're rolling into the knockout round um, feeling pretty good. So I was surprised by that many changes from Sweden, uh, seven, as you mentioned. Uh, I was also surprised by how open Sweden looked at time. I didn't quite expect that. But I can't tell if that's because that was sort of their game plan all along, was to go at the United States and maybe try to get numbers forward on the counter, or if that's only because the United States uh, scored so early, Lindsey Horan scoring in, what, the third minute, I think? Yeah, I think it was kind of your quintessential game state situation. Once Lindsey Horan scores in less than three minutes, yeah. Whatever Sweden was going to do probably had to change. They had to open up. Um, 
I don't know if they were terribly crushed about not having won this game. Uh, the Sweden coach talked a big game in the pregame press conference about, you know, maybe France is a team they want to avoid. He sort of made it sound like he thought that they would match up well against France. But then I didn't get a chance to go to the Sweden press conference after the game, but a Swedish reporter said that the Sweden coach um, said that they didn't care if they won the group. And you kind of wonder, were they trying to go for that easier path that we kept talking about the U.S. could be interested in? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, if Sweden was trying to put together their best game plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but when a goal is scored, you know, in two minutes and what is it, 40 seconds or whatever, that definitely changes things. So uh, one more question about Sweden then. Like, obviously, this is the team that you know, uh, eliminated the United States uh, in the Olympics in 2016. Uh, so I think it was kind of built a little bit. Maybe it was like a more of a media thing as a like revenge game. Can the United States kind of show that they figured out how to play against a team like Sweden? Uh, did you get any sense of that from Jill Ellis or from the players that this was a sort of like uh, stepping stone on the road towards like, OK, we've righted the ship. Now let's keep going. Or again, was it just sort of business as usual? Yeah, I think. Here in France, they treated it as business as usual. They insisted that they hadn't thought about that game, that mm -hmm. they're only looking forward. They moved on. But back in May, uh, before the final send-off game, Jill Ellis admitted that that game was sort of an awakening for her, that the world has become more tactical. She said that normally when teams sit in a bunker, it seems that are overmatched, teams that can't compete. And she said it took her by surprise that a team of Sweden's quality was willing to do that. And since that moment, she's been trying to figure out how to avoid allowing that to prevent the U.S. from being able to score ever again. She said they need players who are going to be able to, you know, work the ball centrally, break lines, um, you know, just add something more dynamic and unpredictable to the attack. So Jill Ellis admitted that in May. And then I think, you know, once the World Cup, World Cup got closer, uh, no one wanted to admit that that game meant anything to them at all. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, I suppose. <laughs> um, so then let's talk about like the, the game itself. Uh, Lindsey Horan getting the goal. Uh, Tobin Heath thought she got a goal. It sounds like it's going to be an own goal instead or has been credited as an own goal. Uh, but I did think Lindsey yeah. Horan played really well. I thought Sam Uis, uh looked very sharp, had some uh, really nice passes. Uh, I'm wondering who did you think really stood out in this game, uh, either positively or uh, in a negative way? Well, I do think it's interesting you mentioned Samantha U.S. because um, Jill Ellis was even asked in the press conference, you know, if if all the players are healthy. I mean, we had a, a hip contusion for Julie Ertz, which I think is code for they wanted to rest her. Um, if they have all their players, how does Samantha U.S. get on the player on the field? And Jill Ellis has said that's one of the team's strengths is the depth that they have. Um, I think. Samantha Muse has been playing really, really well. She looked really good in this game. Um, you know, Rose Lavelle is a player that, um, you know, you kind of notice as someone who does the things that Jill Ellis talked about learning that the team needed to do after that 2016 game that they lost to Sweden. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty good game overall. Um I think there were moments where maybe Sweden got in behind a little bit, and I think they could have done more with it. Um, but overall, 
I'd say a pretty good performance. I, I noticed those uh, attacks as well, and they it, it was interesting to me that I, it seemed like they were happening with relative frequency in both halves. So it didn't seem like it was a thing that the United States necessarily went in at halftime and sort of really focused on. The one adjustment that it, it did seem like they made was to have uh, Lindsey Horan sit deeper a little bit more in the second half and then maybe have mm-hmm. Abby Dahlkemper slide over so it wasn't quite Crystal Dunn staying so narrow like she was in the first half. But w- was there... Do you feel like there was any cause for concern, uh, like heading into that game against Spain or looking ahead to France? Like, do you feel like some of the defensive questions have been answered, or are you still slightly concerned about uh, maybe the overall ability of the United States to deal with uh, an aggressive attacking team? No, I don't think the defensive questions have been answered right. because I mean, Sweden has very good attackers, but I just didn't feel that the quality of the finishing. Was what you can expect against some of the teams that we're going to see later in the tournament if the U.S. makes it. Um, A lot of the shots were right to Alyssa Nair. And that's not to take anything away from her. I thought, you know, after that Chile game, she really only had one moment where she had to make a big decision and she messed it up. And it could have been a goal for Chile if the player wasn't offside. Um, So I think there were some concerns about her mentality and kind of her steadiness in goal. So I thought Alyssa Nair looked very present and, you know, she was making the right decisions, but I just don't know that Sweden was enough of a challenge. I, I didn't think that the quality of the shots was good enough to really uh, make me feel that those concerns are no longer a talking point. I definitely think they are. Uh, I don't know if Spain is the team where... We're going to get all our answers. I think at this point we're looking at, you know, the quarterfinal round is, you know, when the going is going to get tough. So sticking with that back line, uh, I'm assuming Alyssa Nair is safe. Uh, but the back line, which today was O'Hara, Dahlkemper, Sauerbrunn, done. Do you think we see that same defense against Spain and then maybe against France? Or are you expecting a, a little bit of maybe experimentation in the defense against Spain? Yeah, that's interesting. So you asked me... Um, in the last podcast we did, you asked me uh, about the lineup and I, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. So my answer was not helpful. Um, and then when she did make those seven changes before the Chile game, um, it didn't surprise me because that was actually exactly what she had done during Olympic qualifying. Jill Ellis started her strongest lineup when the knockout stage started. She com- almost completely rotated for the next game. And then for the last two games, she went with her strongest lineup. So if we use that as a blueprint, um, I'm wondering, you know, this tournament is longer than the qualifying tournament was. So I wonder if we are going to see her do that again, where she's going to rotate rest those players for the round of 16, because, you know, Spain is not a bad side. Um, I think, uh, you know, the way we talk about them is maybe a little bit dismissive sometimes. They're not a bad side, but the U.S. should be able to beat them. Um, and I think their second string should be able to beat them. So maybe you do rest your best players, ensure that they're going to be fresh and ready to go for a quarterfinal that's a little more difficult. You know, I was um, impressed with Tierna Davidson against Chile. Um, you know, taking corner kicks isn't usually what she does, but I thought she did um, a good job with that. Um, so I wouldn't rule out some more changes, um, 
but Jill Ellis likes to keep us on our toes, you know? So um, it's tough to say. Uh, so I wanted to st- uh, stay with Tierna Davidson for a second because Daryl and I, I think we're a little more critical than I think uh, some out there. I think uh, I'll speak for myself here. I won't keep saying we. Uh, I, I was, I felt, I felt like she was a little slow in possession at times and I felt like she cut, got caught in possession at times. But since that show, we've had a couple people say that we were maybe a little bit harsh on Tierna Davidson. So to hear you say that you thought she looked good uh, makes me think that we probably were. So, but I would like to know, like, what do you think are like, like Tierna Davidson's like strongest skill sets that she's bringing into the team? Yeah, I think I think she is more of a a defender, like a one v one defender. Even though Jill Ellis has kind of used her in a fullback role and a center back role, this team is so attack first. I think she represents someone who can offer maybe more defensive um, awareness. And I think she's really good positioning. You know, she is the youngest player on the team. She's twenty years old, but I think the way she plays. Um, she seems very aware of kind of what's going on around her and the, you know, the spacing around her. Um, she is a younger player in the sense that I think when she does have maybe a bad moment or she's having a bad game, I think it can kind of get out of hand for her a little bit. I think, you know, that experience of being able to play through that is something, um, that I don't know that we're, we can be confident that she can do. Um, but I, I do think she's probably the future of the team, and she's going to be on the team for a long time. Um, and I think defensively, experience matters so much, and she's so young that it's not surprising to maybe see her not always making the right decision. Um, but I think she recovers pretty well um, in those moments, um, especially on a back line that doesn't have a lot of speed. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, um, I'd be curious what you think about her whether you expect her to start i mean it, it it's tough we had somebody ask us like if uh jill ellis did want to change it up especially at left back like who would be the like the replacement to which i think my answer was mm-hmm. our starting right back and then maybe tuna davidson <laughs> um so i i think I, I mean i wouldn't mind seeing it because like combining like the last couple things we've been talking about i i think you're absolutely right and and daryl and i have talked about this too that spain are a little bit like not even necessarily wasteful in front of goal, but they tend to have difficulty creating chances. I say this now they're going to jump out to like a three nil lead against the U S but I I think you're absolutely (laughs) right that it's not going to be the strongest attack that I think Sweden's attack is probably stronger if that says anything. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be opposed to seeing Tierna Davidson come in and just see what she offers from a more defensive standpoint, just because Crystal Dunn did seem like, and I don't think it's necessarily even her fault. I feel like she did struggle a little bit with the positioning. She got pulled inside and then there were gaps outside. Yeah. So maybe just to see what a more like natural left back does or a more natural defender, I should say, uh, does, I wouldn't mind seeing. I also wouldn't mind seeing Crystal Dunn start again. So, uh, so I guess it, I, I am equally uh, confused about what Jill Ellis will do. Um, although uh, you certainly have uh, far more knowledge than I. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Taylor interrupting uh, myself to let you know that today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by FBref.com, footballref.com. Uh, you can get all the stats your brain might need, including ones for individual matches. That way you can know that, for example, uh, Carly Lloyd was the USA's most fouled player against Sweden. Despite only playing for a half, that's fairly impressive. Tobin Heath and Kelly O'Hara uh, tied for the second most fouled suffered. So that maybe suggests that the United States were focused maybe on that right-hand side of Sweden as a 
opposed to attacking down the USA's left. Uh, if you wanted to get an idea of what Spain are bringing to the table, the stats at fbref.com can certainly be of use as well. Uh, I went back and looked at their group stage game against Germany, which was a 1-0 loss, and was surprised to see that Spain actually had the lion's share of possession, 63%. Maybe less surprising is that despite that number, Germany still had more shots on target, uh, 7-2. to That disparity is even more revealing when you know that in terms of total shots, Spain had 16, Germany had 13. So basically, the gist of that, I would say, the distillation, if you will, is that Spain will possess the ball, create very few solid scoring chances, but will take pot shots whenever possible. So maybe if the United States stays compact, keeps Spain in front of them, they should be okay. We shall see. There's your very abbreviated USA-Spain preview. Certainly much more to come on that game as it comes closer. But until then, I'll just remind our listeners one more time that today's show is sponsored by FBref.com. You can get all the stats you need, or you can sign up for their StatHead newsletter to get all the stats they think you need sent straight to your inbox. One more time, check out FBref.com, F-B-R-E-F.com, and thank you to FBref for sponsoring today's show. Now, less of me rambling and more of me asking Caitlin questions. You mentioned the injury to Julie Ertz, uh, or the, I should say quote-unquote injury uh, to Julie Ertz. Yeah, yeah let's she, use those air quotes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hip contusion, uh, I think, as you said. Um, but mm-hmm. she seemed to be moving around pretty fine in the warm-ups or like in the pregame. Uh, I saw her walking around. I was like, wait, is she? She's definitely not starting, right? And then she was there afterwards kind of jogging around, high-fiving. So she, it seems like she'll be fine. The bigger concern, uh, I think, for lots of folks is Alex Morgan, who was withdrawn at the half. She's, she did seem to struggle a little bit, in my opinion, but I'm assuming at least some of that was down uh, to the knock she took in the first 45. What did Jill Ellis have to say about that change? Yeah, she said it was because um, because Alex took a knock. And, I mean, a knock is such a soccer term. I don't know if uh, it's used in other sorts. It's completely vague and means absolutely nothing. So Jill did say that Alex took a knock and she'll be fine, but it was just a precautionary thing. Uh, when Alex did come through the mix zone and reporters want to talk to her, usually she stops every time, but this time she said, I'm fine, which is basically like, I'm good, guys. You know, I'm going to keep walking. So um, not able to ask Alex how she is. Um, I I would guess it's precautionary. There seemed to be a lot of precaution so far in this tournament with uh, Becky Sauerbrunn's quote unquote issue. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an injury. And Julia's contusion. She was asked if um, she was going to be fine for the next game. And she said... You know, she just sort of paused and said yes, as if to say, like, she's completely fine. <laughs> so um, I think I think they're just being really careful about, you know, not pushing players too hard in these games that, you know, let's let's be honest, we can give credit to these other teams, but it's not as if the U.S. was struggling to get past these games or these opponents. And again, with Spain, you know, you talked about their attack. They really have one player, Jenny Hermosa, who's, you know, maybe a decent finisher, but I I think I agree with you that it's really, it's the goal production that is the problem uh, for Spain. So um, anyway, yeah, I think uh, Alex Morgan is probably fine, but um, 
we'll have I'll have to get more and report back. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I, I'd also appreciate if you could help me understand uh, what position Tobin Heath was playing at the end of the game. Uh, when when Kristen Press came on, they seemed to go to a four one four one. At least that seemed to be like the hand gestures I saw. But then. At least in the final like ten to twenty minutes, uh, Tobin Heath seemed to have license to kind of go wherever she wanted. So I'm assuming that that was a specific instruction from Jill Ellis, as opposed to Tobin Heath just kind of roaming around doing whatever she felt like doing. Well, I'm gonna be completely honest and pull back the curtain a little bit. As a reporter writing on deadline, uh-huh. you usually don't really see the last <laughs> ten minutes of the game. I was yeah. writing. I I had to get that ready for the whistle for the Guardian. Um, people are free to you know check out my recap. I have quotes in there. Um, but I so I didn't really see the last ten minutes of the game. If I'm being honest, however, um, we have seen Jill Ellis move Tobin Heath and to the central midfield late in games. Um, that's something that she's done. Uh, it, you know, wouldn't be surprising if she's done that again. Um, she seems to think that Tobin Heath, um, specifically when Kristen Press would come in and take her place on the wing, Tobin Heath would go in centrally and kind of have more of this free role centrally. So um, I'm guessing that's probably what it was, but... This is one of those instances yeah. where I'm going to have to go back or rewatch that game later. <laughs> yeah, that, makes, that makes total sense. But that then begs the question, like, is there a point in the game when you're sort of praying that nothing changes? Like when it was 2-0 in the 75th oh, where you like, please yes. don't score more goals. Oh, for sure. There, <laughs> there, I think there was a corner kick late in the game. And I, I said uh, I was sitting next to a reporter from The Telegraph and I was like, Carly Lloyd better not score right now because that's that's just going to change. I'm going to have to change, you know the score. I'm going to have to write something about it happening. Uh, yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely a point where all the reporters in the press box are just rooting. Nothing happens. Whereas the fans <laughs> are rooting, you know, for yeah, a close game. They want to see more goals. So yeah, we're the anti-fun people. <laughs> the anti-fun. <laughs> I appreciate that. I like that. That's, that's, I mean, that's what you got to be, right? There's no cheering in the press box and you can, I guess that allows for yeah, active cheering against goals. Yes. Of course. <laughs> so what what's next for you then in terms of your schedule uh, in France? And then what's next for the U.S. in terms of their preparations for Spain? Yeah, so tomorrow, uh, I think around noon, all the reporters are going to load up on our reporter bus. It's sort of like summer camp for journalists. Uh, we're going to get on the bus and head over to Reims. Uh, they pronounce it Reims or something like that. Um, so we're going back to the site of where the U.S. demolished Thailand 13-0. Um, so that's going to be fun. Uh, we haven't gotten the schedule for training or media availability yet, um, but tomorrow we'll be a travel day and then um and then training will resume and uh we'll have a chance to talk to the players get some updates on injuries that sort of thing um but yeah i mean it's it's 2 45 a.m yeah. right now so i gotta after i'm done here i'm gonna pack uh so i can head to the next city i will i would like to not be the reason why you like fall asleep packing and then miss the bus <laughs> and then the united states somehow ends up like losing the world cup because of it i'm sure that's all related in like chaos theory <laughs> yeah. butterfly wings sort of thing so i will just end here but i will say caitlin thank you very much for speaking to me at this late hour in your i'm assuming hotel lobby or have you made it all the way back to your room mm-hmm. by now no i'm in the hotel lobby but <laughs> Weirdly, I'm not alone. I don't know why other journalists are down here working on stuff. You guys need to go to sleep. I mean, 
<laughs> I'm looking at them right now. So, um, yeah, I'm in the hotel lobby. I'm going to head to my room, though, now. <laughs> very nice. Well, Caitlin, thank you very much. As you said, uh, people can read your match recap at The Guardian. I'm sure that's where you will be continuing to post uh, content in the lead-up to the Spain game. Mm-hmm. Yep, I will have some analysis tomorrow, actually. I got to write that, too. I forgot about that. So thanks for the reminder. Uh, My pleasure, and I also apologize for reminding you of that, I guess. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) 